ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. And we're back on the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Mike Randall here with you today solo as my partner Scott Burke is enjoying some well-earned R&R down the Jersey Shore on vacation. Don't worry, Scott will be back next week and we'll be going back at it, of course, as we always do here on the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. My partner and I had a chance to get together down the shore. We spent a great day on the beach. His daughter, who's almost one year old, loving it, doesn't cry. Perfect child, as far as I can see. I think he'll disagree with that. <laughs> Never makes a noise, as far as I can see. But had a great time down there with my wife and two kids and Scott came down. We had a nice time on the beach. Talking about so many things, talking about Rex Burkhead, Buffalo Bills, Luke Wilson. I mean, so many topics. So even when we're not on and we're on vacation, fantasy football 24-7. So folks, I'm back with a solo here today. We're going to go through our usual routine of four quarters. Interesting things to talk to you about. A lot of things heating up here. I'm going to be one of the producers of the Rotoviz 32, hashtag RV32 series. Last year, I did work on this behind the scenes. Rotoviz, fantastic, fantastic site. Follow them at Rotoviz Radio on Twitter and at Rotoviz as well. And what Rotoviz Radio does is they interview a beat writer from each of the 32 NFL teams and do a preview of the team, not just fantasy, but also. NFL, offense, defense, everything. And it's a great preview series. So I put that out on Twitter yesterday. I'm going to be producing that. I had to pick my division. And of course, folks, what division would I rather have than the AFC North? So I will be interviewing the beat writers for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, and Baltimore Ravens. My partner very excited about this as well. So I'm going to have the beat reporters on and we'll be doing a preview. We'll talk about all the offensive players, the team preview as well, expectations from the people who are in the know the most, the beat writers. So very excited about that. Scott and I will also be doing some previews for the upcoming season as well. So a lot of things happening here. Let's just get right into it. There's the whistle and our first quarter, as always, news and notes. So a couple things did break while Scott and I were enjoying the hot, hot sun down the Jersey Shore. And the first thing that came out was that Aaron Jones, second year running back, Aaron Jones of the Packers, the player that I've been touting as the main RB, because if you can find out, folks, if you can solve the Rubik's Cube, that is the Green Bay Packers backfield. If you find that guy, you're going to hit a home run. I thought it's going to be Aaron Jones. He bulked up in the offseason, was preparing to become more durable and better in pass protection. And sure enough, he gets suspended for the first two games of the season for violating the league's substance abuse policy. So that's going to be a tough one. And certainly the big difference between him and Jamal Williams was the size. I claim that Aaron Jones was a better three-down choice than Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams not an explosive back. He's more of a plotter. He did have a huge game, of course, at Pittsburgh that Scott and I have talked about ad nauseum for sure. And Aaron Jones, it appears, now is going to be out. So the question is going to be, while Aaron Jones is suspended, who is going to get that work? Now, if you're on Twitter, I love Twitter. All the people... All the trolls on Twitter 
loving Jamal Williams. All the people who have been hyping Jamal Williams have been beating their chest in the last 48 hours talking about how great it is that now he's going to be the starting running back. Not so fast, my friends, as Lee Corso would say. I think it's going to be Ty Montgomery. Now, let's remember, last year, Ty Montgomery was the starting running back at the beginning of the year. Jamal Williams was there. Aaron Jones was there. And they went with Ty Monty. Remember, of course, he was a wide receiver. And then he was reassigned to running back. He's six feet, 216 pounds, out of Stanford, 25 years old. So he's right at the age apex. He was the first choice. He is the guy they trusted. Now, he started last year. Trouble getting total yards. He only had 93 total yards in the opening game against Seattle last year, but he did have a touchdown. He was the RP7. And then he had 110 yards, phenomenal game, seven targets, six receptions, two two touchdowns, 29 PPR fantasy points. He was the number two running back in all of fantasy. And after that, he hurt his rib. So he really struggled, dropped to the RB21 against Cincinnati, then the RB67 against Chicago. Really struggled there. Was was hurt in the Cincinnati game. Was really hurt in the Chicago game. Then he goes against Minnesota in Week 7, New Orleans. And then all of a sudden, we find out that he's having wrist surgery to end his season. And he's on the injured reserve. I believe in Ty Montgomery. I think he has the all-around skill set that the Packers want. They don't want a plotter anymore. You see the trend now across the NFL. We're having the argument. My partner, I love Derrick Henry. People are saying Deion Lewis is going to take over. Ty Montgomery gives you the run-pass option. Jamal Williams does not give you the receiving option. And do you think that a head coach in the NFL wants to put a running back out there where the defense knows they can't catch the ball? Jamal Williams is not the answer. Ty Montgomery is a vastly superior player. So I do believe the answer is Ty Montgomery. Aaron Jones out for two games. When he comes back, he could get some yards. I'm not a Jamal Williams guy, and I don't buy it. Next up, Julian Edelman, surprise, surprise, lost his appeal and was denied by the NFL, so his four-game suspension will stand. Edelman is going to miss games against the Texans, Jaguars, Lions, and Dolphins. What does this mean? Well, it's pretty much job security for Rex Burkhead. That's number one, because Rex Burkhead is going to be the goal line back. Don't worry, folks. And Rex Burkhead now is probably going to see a lot more passes out of the backfield. So I think it's security for Rex Burkhead. I think Sony Michelle could get some play as well. But to start the season, it's going to be Burkhead's job. Chris Hogan, I think, is very solid as well. He's not a deep speedster, only 4.55, 40-yard dash speed. He was an undrafted free agent, but the guy has produced when he's been in there. I think he's going to get passes, but I do not think that Chris Hogan is a 90 reception guy. So be careful on this one. But for the first four games, provided he stays healthy, I think his floor is very high. Edelman is a guy you can take a flyer on in your seasonal leagues very late in the draft. When he comes back, he's going to be highly motivated. I do think that the Patriots are thin a wide receiver. I don't know about Malcolm Mitchell. I don't know Dorsett there for the long ball. You never know what Gronkowski with an injury. So I think they need Edelman. So Edelman is not a guy who's going to get drafted early. Usually in your seasonal leagues, you only have five or six spots on your bench. But he's a guy that you can put in there at the very end of your draft, and he can really pay dividends when he comes back. Calvin Ridley signed with the Falcons. He was the 26th overall pick. In spring practices, Ridley was lining up in the inside and outside Probably going to play mostly opposite Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu. I'm getting this from Roto World, by the way. Ridley is a guy who could really pop. He could make an impact. I like Hooper. Julio Jones, of course, is going to get the main passes. Tevin Coleman a little bit. 
Sanu could be solid, but I think they're going to want Ridley. Ridley is a guy that you have to be careful with because if he pops early and makes an impact, which rookie wide receivers normally don't do, but Calvin Ridley on the carpet in Atlanta where he's familiar, that's going to be dangerous. So him coming aboard for Atlanta just gives him another great receiver. Ladanian Tomlinson said, uh, as per the NFL Network, that Antonio Gates only wants to play for the Chargers. This is fascinating. So one of the biggest kept secrets in the NFL was that Antonio Gates was rarely playing, rarely on the field for the Chargers before the 50-yard line. He became an almost red zone mercenary exclusively. Exclusively. And last year, despite as per player profiler only getting a 50% snap share, he still received 11 red zone targets. Only 30 receptions last year. He's 38 years old. I still like Virgil Green. I would not draft Antonio Gates. There's a lot of options on the Chargers offense. He is feast or famine. You know I hate those feast or famine guys like Deshaun Jackson. Well, I certainly am not going to like a guy like Antonio Gates. Not going to be a high reception guy in a PPR format. I know that he may come back. I still think they need somebody to be more consistent, and I like Virgil Green there. So if Antonio Gates comes back and he signs with the, with the Chargers, which he hasn't yet, I just don't think he's the way to go. I mean, you're basically hoping that when they get down to the red zone that he gets the pass. And by the way, don't you think the other teams are going to know that too? And at 38 years old, is his athleticism really going to be there that he can separate and fool them? I don't think so. I think if Antonio Gates comes back, it simply helps Keenan Allen. And the last one I'll talk about This is worth noting, folks, because you know I'm a big fan of hashtag team backfield drafting. Cardinals coach Steve Wilkes said rookie Chase Edmonds is a potential every down running back. That's important because if David Johnson gets hurt, and if you read Twitter and you see the news there, and like I said, it's coming from Roto World, so you know it's reliable. If David Johnson gets hurt, I think Chase Edmonds is one of your few three down backs in the entire NFL. He's from Fordham, so people doubt him because they feel he did not play against solid enough competition. But folks, 22 years old, fourth round pick, 5'9", 205 pounds. Did everything at Fordham. As per player profiler, college dominator rating 34.1%. That's a 75th percentile. He's got some speed of 4.55. His agility is incredible, so he can catch the ball in the backfield. His best comparable player, in fact, on player profiler is Deion Lewis. This is a player who is worth noting. If I'm drafting David Johnson, if you took David Johnson last year, you probably lost. He gets hurt in week one. And most of your fantasy production is going to come from your first three picks. Look at it every year. Maybe your third round pick doesn't do as well as your fourth round pick or your second round pick doesn't do as well as your fifth round pick. But if you add up those three picks, if you bomb or bust an early pick, it is tough sledding to make the playoffs, let alone win. If you believe in David Johnson, then take a late round pick on Chase Edmonds. The only guy he has to beat out, the guys he has to beat out is DJ Foster and a fifth rounder from last year, TJ Logan. Johnson does get injured. Chase Edmonds is a guy who could pop. You can get him for free, and it looks like he would be a three-down back. To get a back who can catch the ball and be the goal line running back, that's worth its weight in gold. If David Johnson got hurt, I would much rather have Chase Edmonds, for example, than carry on Johnson. Second quarter, here we go. I had an epiphany while on vacation. A lot of sun, no rain, didn't rain once the entire time. I had an epiphany. Maybe it was the water slides with my daughter, which I did twice, two hours each time 
twice in three days. That could be it also. I went back and did some research because Scott and I gave you our top running backs two pods ago, and it just didn't sit right with me. So I did some research, and I wanted to see, was I close? Should I be making some changes? It just seemed too chalky, and I put Melvin Gordon in at three at the time, but I still felt it was too chalky. So I went back over the last five years in PPR formats, and I looked at the top five running backs at the end of the season over the last five years, 2013 to 2017. Take a look at this, and then I'll tell you what my epiphany is. In 2013, the top five running backs end of season fantasy points in PPR formats, Jamal Charles, Matt Forte, LaShawn McCoy, Sean Moreno, and Marshawn Lynch. What were their preseason ADPs? Second, 11th, 8th, 49th and 7th. So if you're counting at home, that's three running backs there that had an ADP within the top 10, one that was 11, and one that was 49. Moving on to 2014, top five running backs, Le'Veon Bell, DeMarco Murray, Matt Forte, Marshawn Lynch, Arian Foster. Their ADPs, 14, 7, 3, 8, and 12, respectively. Bell was coming off injury. People were nervous he was 14th. DeMarco Murray was 7th, Forte 3rd, Lynch was a solid 8th, and Arian Foster was 12th. Notice, no 1, 2, 4, 5, 6. Moving on to 2015. Top 5 running backs, Devonta Freeman, Adrian Peterson, Danny Woodhead, D'Angelo Williams, and Doug Martin. Listen to these ADPs. 41, Peterson was the top running back selected. 30th, 49th, and 17th. That means one running back between the preseason ADP 1 to 16. One guy got in there, and it was the top guy, Adrian Peterson. Next year, 2016. David Johnson, Zeke Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, DeMarco Murray. This was the chalkiest of the group. 1, 3, 6, 9, and 15. I did not go back past five years, but I suspect if I did, this would still be the chalkiest. So looking at their preseason ADPs, four of those running backs were in the top 10 and DeMarco Murray cracked it at number 15. Please note though, that there's no two, four, or five. So even this year, where David Johnson was the preseason RB1 and he ended up being the RB1, it went one, three, six, nine, 15. Still little variance. Last year, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, ADPs, 11th, 2nd, 52nd for Kamara, of course, 10th for Hunt, and that was rising a little bit after the Spencer Ware injury, and 6th for Melvin Gordon. 11, 2, 52, 10, and 6. What am I pointing out here? A couple things. Number one, the number one rated running back. Preseason ADP over the last five years has only finished in the top five twice. 2015, Peterson was second. 2016, David Johnson was first. The number two preseason running back has finished in the top five over the last five years twice. Jamal Charles, big year back in 2013, he was first. And Le'Veon Bell second in 2017. I can keep going, but I think you get my point. I am not going to sit here and tell you that my top four running backs, or even better yet, 
four of my top six are going to be Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. I'm not going to do it because it never happens. It never happens. The closest ever came was 1-3-6. So when I gave you my rankings, I gave you Zeke at 1, I gave you Gurley at 2, I gave you Gordon at 3, I gave you David Johnson, but I didn't like it at 4, and I put Alvin Kamara at 5 and Bell at 6. Folks, that's soft, and that's garbage. And I apologize to you for giving you a soft, terrible analysis. Because I'm sitting there on the water slide, dropping down, going, that's never going to happen. It's never happened. I just took five years and showed you how hard it is for it to happen. And I'm going, if you look at Fantasy Football Calculator, and I'm going right down the list, like Pavlov's dogs, giving you Gurley, Bell, Zeke, David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, all in the top six. Not going to happen. I did put Melvin Gordon in at three. I'm going to change it a little bit more. And Scott and I both dropped Saquon Barkley, so I like that. Folks, this is what I'm telling you. I'm changing it up. This is my official top five prediction as to who will rank at the end of the year in total PPR points as the top five running backs. This is my prediction right now. And if I change it and modify it because of training camp, it certainly won't put more conservative players in. If anything, it's going to put a lot more wild cards in. This is my new prediction. Top five. Number one is still Zeke. It's still Zeke for all the reasons that I said. He is going to get the majority of the touches. They're talking about 400 touches. Look at Leonard Fournette. My partner doesn't like Melvin Gordon, but he likes Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette wasn't really efficient last year, but Leonard Fournette got the ball. This is a Dallas Cowboy offense with a better offensive line than Jacksonville. And Zeke Elliott is a more talented running back than Leonard Fournette. So Zeke is going to be my number one. I'm keeping him there and I am drafting him come Monday in the Scott Fish Bowl with the number one overall pick. I'm doing it. I put my money where my mouth is. That's what Mike Randall does. Number two, I'm moving up Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is now my second running back. He's going to be the number two running back at the end of the year for the Los Angeles Chargers. Same reasons. He catches it. He runs with it. Now they don't have Hunter Henry, so his intermediate routes are going to be open. Yes, Austin Eckler is there. I understand that. But he gets the goal line touches. And the Chargers have a strong defense that got stronger in the draft, so there's going to be even more positive game script. I like the Chargers this year. Finished last year as the RB5 averaging 18 PPR fantasy points per game. As per Fantasy Pros, he's going to be my number two running back. Number three, I'm going to put Leonard Fournette. They don't have a backup. It's TJ Yeldon. Chris Ivory was there. Now he's gone. He's in Buffalo. Fournette is going to be the guy. They're talking about Blake Bortles throwing more with confidence. Stop it. You know it's Doug Marone. You know it's Tom Coughlin. It's student body left. I love Leonard Fournette. And listen, Fournette wasn't great last year. Only 3.9 yards per carry. That was 38th among all running backs. 4.4 yards per touch. That was 41st among all running backs. He wasn't that exciting. But you know what excites me? Touchdown week one, week two, week three, week four. Two touchdowns against Pittsburgh week five and one in week six. Then he had a bit of an injury because of an injured ankle. But then he came back and in week 13, 14, and 15, Gotcha touchdown in each of those weeks. 
That's what I like. Jacksonville's going to be very good. I still think their schedule's pretty decent because they play in a weak division. I like Leonard Fournette as my number three running back. Number four, I will go Gurley. He had a big workload last year. It's impossible to repeat back-to-back. We've never seen it happen since LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Alexander going back over a decade ago. I will have him in the top five. I'm no fool. I think he's going to be right there, but I expect a little bit more of a regression coming off 69 red zone touches, coming off 19 total touchdowns. He did have the number one run blocking efficient line last year, so I expect him to be very good again. It's just really hard to repeat. I think they're going to want to save him a little bit, not give him as much as they gave him last year. There's always an injury bug with him that can lurk. So Gurley is solid. I have him at number four. And number five, again, the theme is putting my money where my mouth is. And if you don't like these, please come get me on Twitter at Randall Rant or the show at PUT Blitz. I'm putting Rex Burkhead fifth. Now, that's not crazy because in 2017, Kamara made the top five, being the 52nd overall running back selected. In 2015, Devontae Freeman was first overall, being the 40th running back selected. D'Angelo Williams, after Bell got hurt, was fourth overall at the 49th pick. Danny Woodhead was in there at the 30th running back selected. And in 2013, no Sean Moreno made it at 49th. So I don't think I'm being too crazy here because right now Rex Burkhead is going as the RB36. It makes no sense to me. They have an elite run blocking offensive line. It's tremendous. Patriots are going to run the ball. He's not going to trust Sony Michelle. He's not going to trust James White. I know they have Jeremy Hill. I know Gilly's still there. Somebody's going to be cut. Probably Gilly. I think Rex Burkhead is your man. I really do. I expect him to shine. The fact that Edelman is out means he's going to get more receptions as well. I think Burkhead's the guy. He's the play. He was dominant last year. There was that time there from week 12 through week 15. He was golden. Week 15, he wasn't even that great because he got hurt. But there was that time there where he had 53 total yards and two touchdowns against Miami week 12. He had 103 yards and two touchdowns against Buffalo. He had 53 yards and a touchdown against Miami. If Burkhead stays healthy, that goal line running back, going all the way back to Corey Dillon days, that goal line running back in New England is always going to be strong. And last year, their defense let them down, so they have to score. Brady, of course, is still there. They're going to pass the ball. Burkhead does it all. I am putting Rex Burkhead as number five. And folks, when Scott comes back, we'll talk about it a little deeper. I just don't understand how we can sit here and all these experts can rattle off to you their running backs. Uh, Johnson, Elliott, Bell, Gurley. Gurley, Elliott, Bell, Johnson, Kamara, Gurley. I I don't get it. There has to be some variance. I think that's pretty decent. The safest one was 2016, and that went 1-3-6-9-15 for the top five running backs. I'm going 3-7-9-1-36. I think that is reasonable, and I want to see more experts do it. So those are my top five right now, and if there are changes... Unless there's injuries, those five are going to be high, and that's what I think is going to happen. All right, and for quarter number three, we're going to talk a little draft strategy. Now, if you've listened to this podcast since our inception last year, you know that I tend to lean towards a zero RB format. I just think that the way the NFL is more of a passing league, it's almost 50-50 with run and pass, that I like to get mid to late round running back value. And the fact is that your wide receivers are less likely to bonk 
early in the draft as opposed to a running back. And I said to you last quarter, if you're going to draft a running back early and they bonk, you're in trouble. You're swimming upstream the entire season. And that's what's frustrating. So you want safety. All of us love fantasy football. So we love to make trades and we love to hit the waiver wire and we love to find that key running back on that team or wide receiver that can put us over the top. I remember for one of the titles that I had in 2015, the absolute key to the season was listening to podcasts and doing research and looking online to determine that Tim Hightower was the correct backup to Mark Ingram. And I traded with my partner, actually, Mark Ingram for Brandon Cooks because we both looked at the playoff schedule in 2015 and the Saints had a really good playoff schedule and he needed a running back and I needed a wide receiver. And once Ingram went down, I went with Hightower. Most people picked up CJ Spiller, but I just didn't think that was the right play from all the stuff I was reading from the beat reporters on the Saints. I thought it was going to be Hightower and it led me to a championship. So it's harder to find those wide receivers because they tend not to be one-to-one replacements, which is why your DeAndre Hopkins, your Antonio Brown, AJ Green, those sort of guys are very, very safe. And call it cocky, call it arrogant, whatever you want. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably feel the same way about your theory. I feel that I'll make enough moves during the season to get me over the hump. That if you just keep me in the game and you avoid the bust, I'll find a way to make the playoffs and then we'll roll the dice because making the playoffs a skill, winning the fantasy championship is luck because you have to have some luck to get to the title. And it's very similar to poker. Same thing with poker. What do all poker players tell you? World Series of Poker is going on right now. And by the way, I am determined to play in the 50th anniversary World Series of Poker, which is coming up in a couple of years. They say no bad beats. If you give them one wish, they would say no bad beats because if you take that bad luck out of it, they feel they'll find a way to make it through. And I feel the same way. So right now in my drafts, and this can change, and my partner and I are in like six or seven leagues together, so this is full disclosure, depending on where I pick and depending on how things are going to work out, right now I am leaning towards zero RB. I absolutely am. I'm leaning on taking wide receivers early. Now listen, in Scott Fishbowl, where I have the 101, I'm taking Zeke Elliott. I'm just going to start on Monday. You can follow me along there. I'm in the Cosmo Kramer division. I can guarantee you that will be Zeke Elliott unless he breaks his leg tomorrow. But if I'm not going to get him or Gurley, I'm going to go wide receiver early. And in the best ball dynasty league that Scott and I are in, I took DeAndre Hopkins and passed on Le'Veon Bell for that reason. And this is what it comes down to. I put this out on Twitter. I pretty much said the question of whether or not to go zero RB is pretty much influenced by whether you would prefer to have your first RB chosen from among the following running backs. Darius Geis, Derrick Henry, Alex Collins, Rashard Penny, Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Drake. You went wide receiver, wide receiver early, and then maybe one more wide receiver, and this is sort of the range of running backs that you pick from. Or whether you want to go running back heavy early and have your first wide receiver chosen from Stefan Diggs, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, Demarius Thomas, who I think is a great value, Golden Tate, and Alshon Jeffrey. I will tell you that given those two choices, I would much rather have a running back from Group A than a wide receiver from Group B. Here's why. I think the Stefan Diggs, Allen Robinson, 
Alshon Jeffrey group of guys, there's a high bust rate there. I will equate the bust rate of that group of wide receivers very much to the top 10 running backs. And we talked last quarter about how your top five running backs are going to be a hodgepodge. There could be some guys in the top 10, but they're going to be some home run lottery tickets. Now, look, as long as Rex Burkhead is in round seven, I'm taking him every day of the week. You know that. You know, for example, Darius Geis, all reports are that Darius Geis is possibly a three-down back. I know Chris Thompson is going to be super efficient with his catches, but Darius Geis looks like he's locked into that early down work, and that's rare. Look at Detroit. With As great as their offensive line is, at Carrion Johnson, they have LeGarrette Blunt, they have Theo Riddick. I mean, who knows how to handicap that? Darius Geis is probably getting that early down work. We saw Samaj P. Ryan last year. I love Samaj P. Ryan last year. He didn't pop. Geis is super athletic, super talented from LSU, was not in a system that used his talents that well. Darius Geis is a pretty solid running back. Derrick Henry. Folks, Derrick Henry is guaranteed to get double-digit touchdowns. You can take that to the bank. Derrick Henry, regardless of how much the Titans' offensive play calling shifts and how much they're going to hit Deion Lewis out of the backfield, who'll probably get injured halfway through the season, Derrick Henry, going where he's going right now, is an absolute steal. Listen to this. In PPR formats, as per Fantasy Football Calculator, Derrick Henry right now has an ADP of 35.1, which is pretty much the end of the third round or even the fourth round, the fourth round for Derrick Henry, the guy that we all talked about, the Heisman Trophy winner, only if DeMarco Murray could get out of the way. And he was super efficient with those long 70-yard runs in the fourth quarter when they're trying to kill the clock. You can get Derrick Henry almost to the fourth round. Think about this. And you're going to take a Saquon Barkley early. You're going to take Dalvin Cook, who was injured last year and has Latavius Murray, who could steal goal line carries. You're going to take them well over a round, maybe two rounds ahead. Come on. Alex Collins, who was super efficient in Baltimore, and it looks like he's going to be the main running back there. It certainly looks like that. And by the way, I talked about Joe Flacco. I put this out on Twitter. Joe Flacco, with his second half stats, when he finally got healthy from that back injury. He was pretty decent last year. So Alex Collins is a huge value. Rashad Penny, I'm not a huge Penny guy. Chris Carson's there. I'm a little concerned, so I'm not crazy about that one. But there is a reasonable range of outcomes that Jay Ajayi, who by the way is going in the fourth round of PPR formats, fourth round, that Jay Ajayi could be an RB1. I think that that's more likely to happen than him not be an RB1. People are saying Corey Clement is getting the goal line carries. This is a serious conversation. Ajayi came over. He was getting like 15 to 17 touches a game. He's on the Super Bowl champions on an explosive offense. Peterson does a great job. I'm very happy with Jay Ajayi, and I'm certainly more happy with Jay Ajayi over an early round pick of, of like I said, a Saquon Barkley, Kareem Hunt, who was fantastic last year. And listen, I think Kareem Hunt will be better than Jay Ajayi, but will he be that much better that I can get Ajayi three rounds after Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt's going with the 10th pick of the first round. Ajayi's going with the sixth pick of the fourth round. Midway through the fourth round. You're telling me that difference is going to be that great? I don't think so. And Kenyon Drake in Miami. And listen, I'm not saying that I'm a huge Kenyon Drake guy, but he's a guy that's there as well that you could take. And certainly Mark Ingram, who's now in the fifth round, When he comes back, more than likely, unless you believe that Terrence West is going to dominate, Ingram could have a pretty decent run. Ingram is a top five running back when he's been healthy the last two years. So right now, I am leaning towards zero RB. And what I can do in those PPR formats is if you pick in the middle of round one, middle of round one, 
Now, there's some leagues. Scott and I do one in CBS, which is a standard league. It's not PPR, but it's three wide receivers. So it's interesting. Three wide receivers, but it's not PPR. If I'm picking in the middle to late, which I always have in his draft because he rigs the draft, I could get Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins and be pretty darn safe with either one of those, I would think, right? Then I can come back in the middle of the second round. That's a very Devontae Adams, A.J. Green, Doug Baldwin in Seattle. Have you seen their defense? Now that Cam Chancellor has retired, have you seen their defense in Seattle? They have to take the reins off. And I know Brian Schottenheimer does not support a wide receiver one, but Doug Baldwin's volume is certainly going to be something that's going to make him a high floor candidate. You can get Adam Thielen, you can get T.Y. Hilton, and then you can come back in the third round. If you go three wide receivers and stretch zero RB to its maximum potential, you can get Amari Cooper, who is in round four. Can you explain this to me? John Gruden's experience with wide receiver ones, the people he've made, he's made wide receiver ones, all those stats, Amari Cooper's in round four. Boy, I mean, the, the recency bias on Amari Cooper is out of control. And by the way, Demarius Thomas in round four, pick eight, ADP 43.6. So you're telling me that I can start Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, come back with an AJ Green, Doug Baldwin, secure it in the third round, with a T.Y. Hilton, with a healthy Andrew Luck, or Amari Cooper, and then start my run on running backs. And the running backs I can get at that point are Alex Collins, Jay Ajayi, Mark Ingram, Lamar Miller, and then, of course, Rex Burkhead. I think that's the way I would go. If I was drafting tomorrow, and I had a fantasy draft tomorrow, standard or PPR, I think I'm going 0RB. And I think I'm loving every single minute of it. I think it's fantastic. So in terms of my strategy, what I'm looking at right now, as we sit here on July 5th, I think 0RB is the way to go. Now, if I have a chance to get Zeke Elliott, like I do in Scott Fishbowl, if I have a chance to get Todd Gurley, I'm not passing on it. I'm not sure about Bell with the changeover to the new offensive coordinator, Randy Fitchner. I want to see how he's going to do. He was a quarterback coach for the past eight seasons. I'm not sure that you can automatically just assume with Todd Haley out and Randy Fitchner in that Le'Veon Bill is going to be the same. But even with Todd Haley, which is a very good and friendly and supportive Steelers offensive coordinator in terms of points, Le'Veon Bell was not a double-digit rushing touchdown guy. So I'm not sure you can be positive on that. And of course, David Johnson, something about with David Johnson, he's coming off injury. Certainly is injury prone to a certain extent. He dominated, had 20 touchdowns in one year. But according to Warren Sharp's 2008 football preview, which he did with Evan Silva, and if you have not gotten it, you need to get it. Warren Sharp's 2018 football preview, Sharp football stats. Follow him at Sharp Football. The Arizona Cardinals have the most difficult schedule, and he just doesn't do the way most people do it, which is you take the record from last year and you see who has teams that have the best record and say they're the hardest. That's not the proper way to do it. What he does is he has metrics, he works in who they've added, who they haven't, players, personnel, coaches, everything. He says Arizona has the hardest schedule. I think that's worth noting. That drops David Johnson in my mind. I think Alvin Kamara has a safe floor as well, but I probably would lean Antonio Brown or DeAndre Hopkins over Alvin Kamara right now. So there's a good chance that I'm a zero RB guy. And folks, I will pluck these running backs off. I'll get four or five running backs in those mid to late rounds, and I know two of them will pop. And I will be in the game longer because I know that Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Doug Baldwin, they're not bonking. The volume is there. They're not bonking. And I think that's what I prefer to lean to 
is the consistency and give me a chance to stay in longer. So right now, in terms of draft strategy, folks, sign me up. Mike Randall, at Randall Rand. I'm a huge zero RB guy. And the last thing we're going to talk about here in quarter number four is I want to talk about some late round wide receivers who actually have a chance to be the wide receiver one on their respective teams. Because nailing those wide receivers, if, if you don't go zero RB, is certainly very important. And even if you do, you can find some great late round value for players who have a chance to ascend to that number one role. Because quite frankly, it always doesn't work out the way that you think it's going to. And my first stop for that is going to be in Chicago. So the Bears signed Allen Robinson to a three-year, $42 million contract in the offseason. Now, we're just plugging in Allen Robinson as the wide receiver one in Chicago. And if you look at PPR draft position this year so far, Allen Robinson, as I mentioned, is going around the late third, early fourth round of PPR formats. He's listed right behind Stefan Diggs. He's listed ahead of Amari Cooper, Demarius Thomas, etc., etc. Are we sure that Allen Robinson's going to step in and be a wide receiver one in Chicago? Are we sure that Allen Robinson, who as a rookie in 2014 had 48 receptions, 548 yards, and two touchdowns, then a huge breakout campaign, and yes, it was with Blake Bortles in 2015, 80 receptions, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, just a tremendous year. But from that point, had a very disappointing 2016 with 73 receptions, 883 yards, and only six touchdowns. And last year, tore his ACL in game one after one reception for 17 yards. So Allen Robinson really hasn't had a productive season since 2015. Now he's going to Chicago. And we know Matt Nagy's there and Mitchell Trubisky's coming into his second year. And all these things are very, very true. But the wide receiving core there is Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, the enigmatic Kevin White, and for the tight ends, we have Trey Burton, who everyone is projecting to have a fantastic year. Funny thing is, don't think there's going to be enough passes to go around there. And all of us seem to be forgetting about rookie wide receiver Anthony Miller. Miller is going in the 14th round of PPR drafts. He's wide receiver 63, which basically means he's free. Now, who is Anthony Miller? Well, he's almost 24 years old. He played at Memphis. He dominated at Memphis, having a 39.9% as per player profiler college dominator rating meaning he received 40% of all the wide receivers team receiving yards and touchdowns while in college. He's 5'11", 200 pounds, fast, agile, big catch radius, and had a huge spark X score in the 90th percentile. He is a guy who could absolutely ascend to be the number one wide receiver in Chicago. And if you think I'm crazy, then I think you're crazy for being so high on Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson is very talented. I think we've seen him do it one year in 2015. And I think Anthony Miller, working in the slot, can become a PPR machine for a quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, who I don't think is going to take an excessive amount of downfield shots. I think he's going to look at those short to intermediate routes. And I certainly like Anthony Miller in round 14 a heck of a lot better than Allen Robinson in potentially round three. So 
I probably won't have much Allen Robinson and I'll have a whole lot of Anthony Miller. Because if he doesn't pop in the first few weeks, you can cut him and you haven't lost anything. But if I go zero RB or you take a running back early and I end up pegging Allen Robinson as my third receiver or you start looking at him as potentially your first or second receiver, you're banking on a guy who hasn't been relevant since 2015 with a second-year quarterback on a new team, and that's a whole lot of betting to do, and I don't like risking that much. And the next place I'll go is down to Dallas, where there's another rookie, Michael Gallup. Now, the Dallas Cowboys receiving core, which have not been upgraded, and it looks like my one-in-a-million prediction of Terrell Owens possibly going there seems to be out the window, is the following. Alan Hearns, Terrence Williams... Tavon Austin, if you call him a wide receiver, Deontay Thompson, and Cole Beasley. That doesn't really inspire much confidence. Now, Beasley is a slot guy, and Tavon Austin's going to be worked in. But Terrence Williams was last seen, and if you haven't seen it, check it out on Twitter, crashing his bike or not crashing his bike after being intoxicated. And listen, Terrence Williams has never been able to separate. He's a body catcher. He's nothing. Deontay Thompson has not been much either. So we're basically going back to Alan Hearns, which has been reported by Marcus Mosier, who's the Dallas Cowboy insider, that he seems to be running with the first team. And that's fine. But similar to Alan Robinson, maybe it's a Jaguar receiving thing. Let's take a look at Alan Hearns. Last four years, 51 catches, 64 catches, 35 catches, 39 catches. He had the incredible year in 2015, as did Alan Robinson. He caught 10 touchdowns. In 64 receptions for 1,031 yards. That's a touchdown every six receptions. That's unsustainable, and he proved it because over the last two years, he's had only five touchdowns. So let's just take a hypothetical that Alan Hearns really isn't that good, and Alan Hearns doesn't quite pop as an 80 reception guy. Is that a big leap of faith for you? Probably not. Who is going to get the targets? Now listen, Michael Gallup is a rookie, and I understand that. But if you look at the investment, again, Alan Hearns is going in round nine, and certainly he's a guy I'm going to target because maybe he is going to be the number one receiver there. But Michael Gallup's going around 13, kind of right around Anthony Miller, right? And that's an area where I think you have to select him because Michael Gallup played at Colorado State. Michael Gallup was a dynamic receiver at Colorado State. Fast, strong, 74th percentile college dominated rating. Again, a guy who is heavily involved in his offense and did everything for them. Michael Gallup is a guy who, again, you can get in the late 13th and 14th rounds who could possibly be mid-season or end of season the top wide receiver in Dallas. And you're getting him for basically free. Next place I'll go is the New England Patriots. Now, let's look at the Patriots' depth chart of wide receiver. Well, there's Julian Edelman. We talked about him. He suspended four games. Then there's Chris Hogan. Not exactly a deep speedster. Solid receiver. Good possession. Intermediate route guy, but not a deep burner. There's Corderell Patterson, who pops once in a while. Ted Ginn-esque, if you will. Philip Dorsett, who can run deep in a straight line only. Malcolm Mitchell coming off an injury. So again, I tend to look around round 13, round 14. Who do you see there? Jordan Matthews. All Jordan Matthews ever did at Vanderbilt was become the most productive receiver in SEC history. So he certainly has college experience. He runs a 4-4-6-40. That's pretty fast. He's 6'3", 212 pounds. He was dominant as a freshman. 
He's fast, has a large catch radius. And even more importantly, he's produced in Philadelphia with substandard quarterbacks. 67 receptions, 8 touchdowns. 85 receptions, 8 touchdowns. 73 receptions, 3 touchdowns. And then with Buffalo last year, he didn't do much. Now, you're going to say to me, why do you tout Jordan Matthews and poo-poo Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson? Very simple. The ADP. I don't hate players. I hate them when they're drafted too high. Jordan Matthews is available in the last round of your drafts. He's going right now as an ADP of 163.5, which is 14th round, 7th pick. He is a minimal investment. He is another guy who you can get late, who can absolutely return wide receiver 3 value, maybe wide receiver 2 value, and if things really break right, you can hit the mother load. Say what you want, be hesitant about drafting him, but he is in New England. Matthews was the most productive receiver in SEC history of Vanderbilt. Chris Hogan played at Mammoth. I'm just saying. And Hogan, again, was a solid producer last year, but played in nine games and had 34 receptions. You project that, we're not talking about 80 receptions, but Jordan Matthews has done that. So that is another player you can throw a dart at who has a chance to be very, very high. And I got two more for you. The next one is Christian Kirk in Arizona. Right now, the wide receivers in Arizona are Larry Fitzgerald, Chad Williams, Bryce Butler, J.J. Nelson, and Christian Kirk. That's who they're talking about, and I'm not going to mention Greg Little. You can talk about him if you want. Larry Fitzgerald is 34 years old. He's going to turn 35 at the end of August. He is a Hall of Famer. If you look at him over the last few years, he has 109, 107, and 109 receptions over the last three years. He's amazing. We know that. But someone else has to get those passes. And given that the Cardinals will either have Josh Rosen or Sam Bradford, certainly I'm not sure they're going to be firing the ball down the field. Christian Kirk is a slot receiver. So is Larry Fitzgerald. But I believe Christian Kirk is the most talented receiver on the Arizona team, not named Larry Fitzgerald. So I think they will find a way to get him on there. He went to Texas A&M. He was drafted in the second round. 5 feet 10, 200 pounds. Another fast guy. Been contributing at Texas A&M since his freshman year. And another thing you should know about Christian Kirk is they got involved in every phase of the offense. He also returned kicks. And there are some players who returned kicks in college who were pretty darn good in the pros as well. Namely, T.Y. Hilton and Antonio Brown. So we have data that shows us that the correlation between being a producer, the college level, if you're involved in the return game and the pros is very, very high. Christian Kirk has that. And again, this is a guy who can be drafted in the 14th round. He's actually the last player taken as per ADP in most of your leagues with five guys on the bench, round 14, pick 12. Christian Kirk, Texas A&M, on Arizona, slot receiver. I don't think Arizona's going to be very good this year. I think they're going to be trailing a lot. I think they have to throw a lot. I think Christian Kirk is a guy who you can definitely get, who has a chance if things break right and Fitz gets hurt, but even not, who could be a second possible option on the Arizona team. And the last guy I'm going to talk about is Kenny Galladay of Detroit. This shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, but Kenny Galladay has a chance to supplant not only Golden Tate, who is the PPR guy in the team, but not the number one wide receiver, but to supplant Marvin Jones. Now, Marvin Jones is 28 years old, and he's coming off a super efficient year where he caught 
nine touchdowns on 61 receptions. Incredible, incredible efficiency. That is following a 2016 season where he caught four touchdowns on 55 receptions. Marvin Jones had a career year last year. Now, he is very talented. I understand that. But Kenny Galladay is an incredible athlete. Mega producer from Northern Iowa. Tremendous 40-yard dash time. Six foot four, 218 pounds. He is a guy who can dominate and take the number one role in Detroit. And again, we're talking about value. Right now, Golden Tate in PPR formats is going in round four, the end of round four, early round five. Right behind him, Marvin Jones. They are separated by four spots. Golden Tate, wide receiver 21, then Jeffrey, then Cooks, and then wide receiver 24, Marvin Jones. So again, I go back to value. You are throwing darts here. Kenny Galladay is going in round 12. He's going after Martavis Bryant. Kenny Galladay who is going to start in three receiver sets, who is healthy, who popped last year and shown the ability to make huge downfield catches, is going behind Martavis Bryant, who right now, the rumor is, going to be suspended potentially for the rest of his career. Let that sink in. He's also going behind Mike Williams. Mike Williams, who's done nothing on the Chargers and has no chance of supplanting Keenan Allen as the number one wide receiver. He's also going behind Marquise Lee, who may be the second or third wide receiver on Jacksonville, tethered to Blake Bortles. So Kenny Galladay is a guy I want to throw a dart at. He could pop this year with Matthew Stafford. He could be a tremendous wide receiver. Last year, he opened against Arizona with two touchdowns. He also had a touchdown in the last game against Green Bay. He did battle some injuries in there, but he definitely is a red zone target. Stafford is going to look for him. There's no more Eric Ebron to get rid of those ridiculous targets. I know they have Luke Wilson. I understand that. But Galladay, for his value, six foot four in round 13 and 14 in that area, is a guy you should definitely look at. So there you go, folks. There's my solo picking up the blitz. Scott is down, probably playing some games down the Jersey Shore for his daughter, trying to win stuffed animals. We'll be back next week together to continue to give you the preview. Make sure to follow the pod at PUT Blitz. We're on Facebook as well. You can email the show, putblitz at gmail.com and find myself at Randall Rant. Thank you, folks. Fantasy football season, it's July. And next time we talk, I will have officially picked Ezekiel Elliott as the number one player in the Kramer division of the Scott Fish Bowl. Woo! We'll see you.